Good to see everybody. Amen. Hey, uh, excited about this class tonight. Excited to see uh, all of you here. Um, I really genuinely believe that, ever, that, that a bad marriage can become a good marriage. I believe a good marriage can become a great marriage. I believe a great marriage can become a greater marriage. And uh, we'll talk about how that will take place and how that will happen. It uh, take a lot of work and a lot of determination, and it's going to take uh, uh, both sides doing their part. But we'll talk about that as we get along. So uh, thank you for, for coming. Um, love this subject because I, I love being married. I love family. I love uh, being married 45 years now. Can you believe that? I don't, I, you know, I, I feel like I should be 45, not be married 45 years. I'm not like one pastor. I heard one pastor say he'd been, he'd been happily married for 40 years. Well, he'd been married for 45. <laughs> 40 of that were happy. I can tell you that I have been happily married for 45 years. I will tell you that sometimes I've been happier than other times. And my marriage has been better at times than it was at other times. It has never been bad. I've been really, really blessed. And I've got, I'm married to an angel. And if you don't believe my wife's an angel, you just never heard her harp. Okay. Okay. All right. That was a cheap shot. And that was a cheap joke. And that was a dad joke. But anyway, uh, we'll get into some things uh, here in a little bit. Uh, 45 years married to my high school sweetheart. Uh, made plenty of mistakes along the way. Most of those were made early on uh, in marriage. I think if I had some of the teaching um, that I do now and I, the books I've read and the teaching that, I've, that I have received and have given, if I had that then, I think I would have made a whole lot less mistakes in my life and in my marriage. Uh, most of them were early on. I did a lot of stupid stuff, uh, some ignorant stuff, some dumb stuff, some stupid stuff. Had more than one day of stupid. Uh, so I'm not sitting here tonight as some kind of, uh, you know, somebody said I've got a perfect marriage and never had any problems or difficulties. Not, I'm not doing that. And I'm not sit, sitting here tonight saying that I know everything, but I do know some things. Uh, 45 years of marriage, 45 years uh, living with the same person, uh, you, you better learn some things. So, and, then, and then I have learned things from l reading books and listening to a lot of teaching. So I don't know everything, but I do know some things, and hopefully uh, I'll be able to share some of those things, and they'll be a blessing and a help to you. Hey, let's, uh, let's get some scripture involved. How many think it's always a good idea to get some scripture involved? Let's look uh, in uh, Ephesians chapter 5, Ephesians chapter 5, and uh, let me read verses 22 through 33. Ephesians chapter 5, uh, verses 22 through 33. Uh, it says, wives, submit to your husbands as to the Lord. The ladies always love that verse. For a husband is the head of his wife as Christ is the head of the church. He is the savior of his body, the church. As the church submits to Christ, so you wives should submit to your husbands in some things. Oh, in everything. Say everything. Well, you think, you, you ladies think you've got a bum rap, right? You think you've got a bum deal here. That sounds pretty hard. 
and rough on you ladies? Well, it's not if you'll understand. Then verse 25 says, Husbands, this means love your wives just as Christ loved the church. Well, how did he love the church? He loved it enough to die for it, right? So that's pretty heavy there for the guys, right? Husbands, this means love your wives. Just as Christ loved the church, he gave up his life for her. Well, that's how we're to love our wives. We're to give up our life for our wife. Uh, Let me read it again. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church. He gave up his life for her to make her holy and clean, washed by the cleansing of God's word. Uh, He did this to present her, talking about the church, to himself as a glorious church without a spot or a wrinkle or any other blemish. Instead, she, the church, will be holy and without fault. In the same way, husbands ought to love their wives as they love their own bodies. For a man who loves his wife actually shows love for himself. No one hates his own body but feeds and cares for it just as Christ cares for the church. And we are members of his body. As the scriptures say, a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife, and the two are united into one. This is a great mystery, but it is an illustration of the way Christ and the church are one. So again I say, each man must love his wife as he loves himself, and the wife must respect her husband. A lot in that, and we'll talk about some of that tonight and others a little later on. Hey, I think not only should we get the word involved, but I think we ought to, ought to start with prayer. How many think that's a good idea? Father, thank you for the opportunity of being here tonight. Thank you for these that have come tonight. We are thrilled that they have come to invest in their marriage. Lord, I don't know all of the circumstances. I don't know all the reasons why the different ones are here tonight. But, Lord, you do, and I just pray, Lord, that you will help each one individually. God, I just pray, Lord, that you will help us to take the word that we receive and uh, apply it and uh, get some results from it. Uh, I pray you will anoint me and you will enable me and you will help me and help me to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit as to what you want me to say, all in the name of Jesus, amen. Well, tonight we begin an eight-week study on marriage. I want to begin by making some observations. I want to make some statements about marriage tonight. We're going to just uh, lay a groundwork. It's an eight-week course, so please, I would just challenge you. Uh, is your uh, marriage not worth an eight-week investment? Make the investment. You know, uh, you can leave here and say, well, it wasn't what I thought it would be. Well, I didn't get what I wanted. Well, Hey, give me eight weeks, okay? Don't give me one. Don't give me one night. Give me eight nights, okay? Give me eight weeks. Give me eight hours. Is your marriage not worth an eight-hour investment? Make that investment, and different lessons will speak to different people, and and will mean more than others. But I promise you, I believe that the the Lord will use some parts of every lesson to help you, and hopefully, in a, in in eight hours, in eight weeks. Uh, it'll have an impact. Have you heard that word yet this year? It'll have an impact in your marriage and in your home. So I want to begin by talking about, making some statements about what marriage is and what marriage is not. Okay, so, hey, have we passed these out yet? 
Anybody do this? I'm sorry. I got these notes here, and I was just expecting somebody to do this. Hey, help me out here. Uh, Floyd, would you help me? Uh, and, hey, I think there's only 25 of those, so maybe uh, a couple. A cu- huh? There you go. You can make some more. And uh, also maybe, the, maybe couples can just, one can do it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And we'll make it work. All right? I didn't have enough faith for how many is here tonight. Or maybe there is. I don't know. It's probably close to enough. All right, so let's begin uh, with what marriage is, is not. And Floyd will hurry, so they'll get their, they'll get their stuff. <laughs> That's actually Lloyd, but we love to call him Floyd around here. <laughs> but it'll be real quick. You'll be able to fill that filled in. All right, let, let's begin with what marriage is not. First of all, marriage is not a cure for unhappiness. It's not a cure for unhappiness. Here's what I've discovered, and that is people who are unhappy and they think marriage will make them happy, they're going to be very disappointed after they get married. Because here's what I've discovered, and that is unhappy people tend to be what? Unhappy. Unhappy people just tend to be unhappy. Uh, Circumstances and situations don't seem to make any difference for them. They're pretty much unhappy uh, with everyone, uh, with everything, uh, most of the time. So let me just say this. If you are presently dating someone who tends to be unhappy more uh, than they are happy, I've got some advice for you. Run. (laughs) Run. Get out of this relationship as soon as possible. See, if they are unhappy before marriage, they will be unhappy after they are marriage because marriage will not fix their unhappiness. Why? Because happiness is a choice. How many know that? Happiness is a choice. I choose to be happy. Is everything perfect in my life? No. Am I happy? Yes. Why? I choose to be happy. I lived in West Texas for 20 years, and I was happy in West Texas for 20 years. And you, why was I happy in West Texas, where the wind blows 20 miles an hour on a calm day? Where it's ugly. Why? And some of my West Texas friends are going to hear this recording and they're going to be mad at me. I love you out there, guys. <laughs> Why was I happy in West Texas? In fact, my brother asked me one time and he looked around at, at where I lived and you know all, the, all that's out where I lived was just mesquite bushes and pump jacks. And he said, how can anybody be happy in this, un, this ungodly place or something like that? And I was happy. Why? Happiness is a choice. Choice. I had my wife there. I had my kids there. I had my God there. I had my calling there. Happiness is a choice. Okay? Choose to be happy. All right, number two. What is marriage is not? Number two, it's not a 50-50 proposition. Marriage is not a 50-50 proposition. (coughs) It only takes one to get a divorce, but it takes two to make a marriage. Marriage is not 50-50. Divorce is 50-50. Marriage has to be 100-100. 
Marriage isn't dividing everything in half. It's both parties giving 100% effort. Number three, marriage is not perfection. It's not perfection. There are no perfect marriages. Pastor, your marriage is not perfect? No, it's, I put it up there with the best of them, but it's not perfect. There are no perfect marriages. And if someone says their marriage is perfect, they'll lie to you about other things. See, see, two imperfect people coming together does not equal perfection. Two imperfect people coming together does not minimize problems. It magnifies problems. See, see, marriage does not solve your problems. It just changes what the problems are. And honestly, it adds to the problem. Now, the, there's a lot of positives, too, and we'll talk about that. But, but, uh, but marriage does not solve your problems. It just, it just changes what the problems are. Number four, and you think we're really, really going really, really fast here. Well, we're going to slow down here in a little while, so don't get too excited. Number four, marriage is not what you thought it would be. Now, I don't know what you thought it would be, but I know it's not what you thought it would be. And anybody that's been married very long would, would shake their head. No, it's not what I thought it would be. Um, and let me tell you this. Let me just throw this in here just because I just, I didn't even have it in my notes, but I just, boy, before service, I just felt, write this in here. So I wrote this in there. If you're thinking about getting out of one marriage to get into a new marriage, and you're thinking that this new marriage will be everything the present marriage is not, sorry. Hate to bust your balloon. Hate to bring you back to real life. But let me tell you something. You brought baggage into the first marriage. All of us have baggage. Every one of us have baggage. I was only 17 when I got married, but I had baggage. And you brought baggage into the first marriage. Can you even imagine the baggage you would take with you into another marriage? Now, am I telling somebody that's divorced now, don't ever get married again? I'm not saying that. I'm talking about somebody, you know, that's kind of fantasizing about, you know, I'll just dump this one. I'll go get me another one. And it'll be better with another one. Sorry. Sorry. Work out the problems in the marriage you are in. Second and third marriage complicate things, okay? Again, I'm not, I can't say everything I need to say. I'm not saying if you're already divorced, not to get remarried. I'm not saying that at all. I'm just saying if you're one of those that just, you know, thinking, well, you know, and you already got your eye on somebody. <laughs> Come on. All right. Hey, and if you've never been married and you are getting married, you have stars in your eyes and unrealistic expectations. Uh, I heard one pastor say that he does not do premarital counseling. And he says the reason why he doesn't do premarital counseling, he said, because it doesn't do any good. Because he said, he said, because they've all got stars in their eyes and they've got perfect tens over the head of their, of their fiancé. They're a perfect ten and nobody's a perfect ten. And so he said, I don't do premarital counseling. I just counsel them after they're married and they need it. 
Well, I do believe in premarital counseling, and we do premarital counseling, but it is difficult to do premarital counseling when everybody's sitting around with stars in their eyes thinking they're marrying the perfect person. Sorry. I'm just glad you came to my class tonight. Are you encouraged now? If you've never been married and you're getting married, you have stars in your eyes, you have unrealistic expectations, you think that you're going to live the storybook life, it's going to begin with once upon a time and it's going to end and they lived happily ever after. You have unrealistic expectations. The man thinks his new bride is going to meet him at the door every evening when he comes home from work wearing nothing but saran wrap. And after they make passionate love, she's going to prepare him his favorite dinner. And she's going to sit down in his recliner and she's going to bring him his pipe and slippers. And we're against pipes, just to tell you that. And the woman thinks she's going to marry Prince Charming, who's going to treat her like the princess her daddy said she was. He's going to lavish her with gifts and he's going to spend hours every evening talking and listening to her and getting in touch with his feminine side. And they both think marriage is going to be like a Friday night date. I don't know what you thought marriage would be, but I'm pretty sure it's not what you thought it would. Number five, marriage is not impossible. Is marriage difficult at times? Is marriage trying and, success and stressful at times? But a good marriage is not impossible. And with God's help, it can not only be good, it can be great. But it is definitely not automatic. All right, let me give you... Uh, some things that marriage is. Number one, marriage is a partnership. A partnership. Genesis 2 and 18, God said, It is not good for man to be alone. I will make a helper or partner for him. And verse 24 says, A man should leave his father and his mother and be joined or partnered with his wife and the two are united into one. Let me give you some practical advice. You should never use the terms you and me. After you get married, stop using the terms you and me. It should always be us and we. It's no longer you and me. Now it is us and we. So decisions should be made together. Budgets should be made together. Money should be pooled together. It's not mine or yours, it's ours. Now, I will say, and this is another teaching, but whoever is best at handling money should take the lead, but both should have input and both should be in agreement. I think it's good, and this is in my financial teaching, but I think it's good, uh, and we might even do a little of that, 
because uh, that's a very, very important part of, of marriage and money. Um, it's good to uh, have a, an agreement as to, you know, here's a limit on how much uh, individually I can spend without checking with you. I don't know what that limit is. I don't know what that amount is. Be different. Part of it will be dependent on what kind of money you make. Uh, but, uh, you know, a guy certainly don't want another mama. He's had a mama. Don't want to have to ask mama, you know. And the wife has had a daddy. Don't want another daddy. Don't want to ask daddy. But there, So you should have a come-to-terms thing and say, hey, you know what? We're together, and we're not going to do anything major together, but you've got to decide what's minor and what's major, because that might be two different things, too. You might be worlds apart in that. And just come up with a, with, a, with a figure that this is, you know, you can spend, I don't care what you do with it, you can spend this amount of money without checking with me. Other than that, we're going to check with one another, and it's vice versa. It's not one or the other. It's both. Okay? All right, what is marriage? Number two, it's a commitment. Let me see. Does this sound familiar to you? For better, for worse. For richer, for poorer. In sickness and in health. Forsaking all others. Keep yourself only. Does that sound familiar? In good times and in bad times. When she gains ten pounds and when he has morning breath and bed hair. When the new wears off, and it will. When the real person emerges after you say, I do. Because you haven't, you haven't met the real person yet. Sorry, you haven't. You don't meet that person until you say, I do. And then you meet that person. That's why you need to spend as much time as you can with them in as many situations as you can with them because they can only be on their best behavior just so, so long. Okay? Good? We all good? What is marriage? Number three, it's work. You spell marriage W-O-R-K. Marriage isn't always easy, but it's worth it. Let me ask you this. Why do we work so hard to get a mate and convince a mate that they should commit themselves to us for life and then we stop doing the things we did before we were married after we get married? Husbands, before marriage, you dated your wife. Why do you stop dating her? You spent money on her. You bought her things. You spent time with her. You were nice to her. Wives, before marriage, you worked on your appearance. You worked hard to look good for him. You, you, you want to look as good as you could when he showed up on Friday night to take you out. But now, you know, you got a 12-year-old bathrobe. <laughs> Cold cream on your face. 
Hey, you can't look like you just stepped out of a magazine 24-7. I'm not saying that. I'm just simply saying, I'm simply saying it's a shame. Isn't it a shame that what we are willing to do before marriage in order to get our mate, and then we stop doing after we get them? Okay, we'll move on. What is marriage? Number four, it's complicated. Think about it. Two complete opposites coming together. And men and women are total opposites in every way. It starts with their bodies. Thank God for the difference. See, 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 God made Adam first. And Adam, of course, was naked. And God looked at Adam and God said, I can do better than that. And so he made Eve. And every man since Adam is grateful for the difference. Amen? Men and women, they're opposites in every way. Their bodies, their reasoning methods. Men are totally logical thinkers. Two plus two equals four. If two plus two don't equal four, man can't figure it out. Because everything he decides is determined on logic. Women are not logical. I tell my wife, I mean, when I really get in trouble, I'll say, that ain't even logical. And I'm thinking, well, of course it's not. I'm the logical one. You're the emotional one. <laughs> Don't you remember your teaching, Vincent? <laughs> Men are total, totally, and this is, you know, this is a blanket statement, so there are exceptions, but not many. Men are usually totally logical thinkers. Women are totally emotional responders. Totally emotional. Um, men make every single decision based on logic, just the facts. Remember that old dragnet? Just the facts, ma'am, just the facts. Women make all of their decisions on how they feel about the matter. How do I feel about it? Quit shaking your head, Mary. This is my class. You're the exception. I'm just te- I'm teasing with you. You know I am. I'm just you're the opposite. Yeah, and that and there and like I said, there are exceptions. Uh, but here's the point. Here's the point. Two complete opposites come together. Opposite and different in every way. Marriage is complicated. It's complicated. Two different personalities. You know. Because opposites attract. So two different, two different personalities. I mean, just take me and my wife. I mean, I've got that easygoing, laid-back, sweet, loving disposition. Kind of like a basset hound. Right? Oh, 
That's my wife. And I'm the bulldog. Okay? Opposites attract. Opposites. Opposite. Two different personalities. Um, two different families raised differently. Uh, that's another reason why it's important to take a look at the family. Because, you know, uh, I actually, there was somebody in our, in our extended family that, that uh, the, the husband said, I'm not marrying the family. Well, yeah, you are. Yeah, you are. <laughs> so you make sure you're not marrying the Adams family, okay? Because <laughs> you are marrying the family, okay? Because with the bride or the groom comes the family. All the nuts and flakes that goes along with it. Two complete different histories. Marriage is complicated. There's a book out there, you might get it. It's called Men Are From Mars, Women Are From Venus. What's this saying? It's not just saying men are, and women are different. It says they're from different planets. So marriage is, is complicated. Number five, marriage is an adjustment. It's an adjustment. Um, there's major adjustments. You know, you move from your parents' house, and all you know, you learn from that house. But she grew up in that house, you grew up, he grew up in this house. All she knows is what she learned in that house. All he knows is what he learned in that house. And you come together to form your house. But you've never had a house. You never had a spouse. And so you have to make your own home. And you have to make your own family. But which family will it resemble? Will it resemble her family? Or will it resemble his family? Because all she knows is the home she grew up with. Grew up in. All he knows is the home he grew up in. And they're worlds apart. So whose home is this going to be? Is it going to be her home? Or is it going to be his home? Well, it's going to be your home. But you're going to have to take the good and the bad and the ugly that you learned from her home and the good and the bad and the ugly that you learned from his home and figure out what your home's going to be. You know, when I grew up and when I got out on my own, I was only 17 when I got married. But I, you know, I said there were some things I said, you know, that ain't going to be my home. That ain't going to be my home. Now, some things out of that home, I'm, I'm bringing it to this house. But there's some things I'm leaving over here. How about you? Same thing, same way. Which family is it going to resemble? His family, her family? There are major adjustments that must be made. It was my money. Now it's our money. It was, what do I want to do? 
Why do I want to eat? Where do I want to go? What do I want to do? That's what it was before you said I do. Now it's, where do we want to eat? Where do we want to go? What do we want to do? That's a major adjustment. And then there are minor adjustments. Do we squeeze the toothpaste from the bottom up or the top down? Does the toilet seat remain up or down? You know, my wife says, put the toilet seat down. I say, you're a big girl. You can put it down. I said that once. I didn't see her for about three weeks. And I could see her a little bit out of this one eye. Do we take the clothes out of the dryer and fold them and put them away? Or do we just take them out of the dryer as we need them? Major, minor adjustments. Marriage is awesome. Can be. Marriage is awesome if you marry the right person, but I would say more important than marrying the right person, marriage is awesome if you are the right person. Or if you put in the effort to understand your mate, understand their basic needs, and then work at meeting your mate's needs. A successful marriage is not so much about getting, but about giving. I'm sure you're really excited to come and hear that. See, see, life in general just seems to go better for the givers than the takers. Marriage is the same. It goes much better for the givers than it does for the takers. So I'm going to ask you to ask yourself this question. Am I a giver or am I a taker? Ask yourself, what is my motivation to give? Is it just so I will get? Let me ask you this question. Do you keep score? Do you keep score? In your marriage, do you keep score? Do you keep track of what you give and what you get? Okay, I did this, this, and this for my husband, so I expect this, this, and this in return from him. You know what that is? That's 50-50 marriage. And 50-50 marriage usually ends up 100% divorce. If you get nothing more out of this lesson tonight, at least answer this one question. Are you a giver or are you a taker? Don't you think about that for just a little bit. See, no, no matter what subject you might be talking about, you can only take out so much. You can only take so much out without putting something back in. It's true of a bank account, right? 
If all you ever do is withdraw, 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 and you never make any deposits, eventually, and not very long for most of us, you'll be overdrawn, and eventually you'll be bankrupt, right? You can't just make withdrawals. You've got to make some deposits. If you withdraw energy from your body, you work, 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 play, 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 play. You go, 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 but you never eat or never sleep. Pretty soon you have no energy left. You have withdrawn all of your energy and you put nothing into your body to replenish what you have taken out. And your body begins to break down. It begins to fail you. It gets sick. It fails to function. So it is with marriage. If all you ever do is make withdrawals, All you ever do from your marriage is take. If you're a taker and all you ever do is take, 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 you never make a deposit, you never put anything in, but always continually make withdrawals. You have expectations, you have demands, you have complaints, you have criticisms. You can only take so much out without putting something in. And if you take out more than you put in, you're going to be bankrupt. Let me ask you this question tonight. If you treated your mate the way that you do now before they married you, would they have married you? Why do you think it's okay to act a certain way and do certain things in order to win your mate's heart? You were willing to pay the price, whatever that price was, in order to win your mate's heart, but you're not willing to pay the price to retain your mate's heart. Well, in the next few weeks, I want to help you give your marriage a tune-up. You know, just because your car's engine begins to run a little bit rough or it begins to sputter or miss a little bit or make a few funny noises, this doesn't necessarily mean you need to trade it in on a new model. Doesn't mean it needs the engine totally overhauled. It might just need a tune-up. But if we, would give, if we would give our marriages a tune-up from time to time, perhaps the total overhaul will never be necessary. And hopefully a trade-in for a newer model will never be necessary. Right, tonight I want to share one simple secret that can totally revolutionize your marriage. In the next eight weeks, we're going to talk about a lot of things, and I'm going to give you a lot of information I believe if you'll follow this information through uh, and do what I'm going to teach you, I believe it'll help you better understand your mate, give you a toolbox full of tools to help you. But the truth is, as important as all the other things that we're going to talk about the next eight weeks are, if you can learn, adopt, and consistently practice this one simple secret, this one thing, implemented into your marriage on a consistent basis can improve your marriage like nothing else can. It's simple, but not easy. It's simple, but not always appealing to the flesh. It's simple, but it goes against the grain sometimes. 
Are you ready for it? Now remember I said it was simple. Men and women have many needs, and their needs are totally different. We're going to talk about those. Don't forget, men are, for, men are from Mars, women are from Venus. Not only do they come together from different homes, they come together from different planets. And although men and women have several basic needs, and by the way, his needs are different than her needs, and her needs are different than his needs, and yet they both have one major need. And if this one major need isn't met, there's going to be trouble in paradise. So let's talk about this one major need, the need that far surpasses all other needs. And here they are. You ready for them? How many's ready for them? How many still awake? You ready for them? Okay. For a woman, it's love. For a man, it's respect. Above all other things that a woman wants and needs, she needs to know and feel, say feel, and feel loved. Above all other things that a man wants and needs, he needs to know that he is and feel that he is respected. It's a God-given need for every man and every woman. And if marriage is going to work, and definitely if it is a happy and fulfilling marriage, the wife must know and feel that her husband loves her unconditionally and his actions toward her proves it. The husband must know and hear out of her mouth that she totally respects him. Notice I didn't use the words understands or agrees. Talking about understanding, we're not talking about agreeing. Because men and women are so different, not a bad thing, by the way. Not a bad thing at all. In fact, this is why we make such a great team. Because he's way over here and she's way over there and they meet in the middle. And that makes them balanced. This is out of balance. This is out of balance. But the two together become one. And the two together balance one another out. All right. All right, back to my thoughts as to the number one major need of a man and a woman. If these major needs aren't met, there will be major trouble. Now, you might be thinking, well, Pastor, how do you know this is their major number one need? I know for two reasons. Number one, it's the need that is addressed in Scripture. And number two, I know because it has been proven through research and experience. Let's look at scripture, first of all. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 25. Husbands, love your wives. Love them just like Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. Verse 33. The wife must respect her husband. Notice, notice the husbands are not commanded to respect their wives. Should they? 
Of course, of course. But respect isn't the greatest need a woman has. Love is. And notice wives were not commanded to love their husbands. Should they? Of course. But love is not the number one need of a man. Respect is. Do women want to be respected? Sure. But they'd rather be loved. Do men want to be loved? Absolutely, but we'd rather be respected. You might say, but pastor, my wife is not always very lovable. Pastor, my husband isn't always worthy of respect. Exactly. Exactly. This is why we must develop and practice unconditional love and unconditional respect. Listen carefully about what I'm about to say. We must come to an understanding. We must come to a conclusion. And this is what we must understand and conclude. Now, I'm not saying this is 100%, but most of the time it is. And this is what we need to come to the conclusion. That is, our mates are good people. Our mates are good people. We chose them because they were good people. Deep down on the inside, their intentions, say intentions. Did I say actions? What did I say? Their intentions are good and noble and to be helpful toward us. That's their intention. If we understand and conclude that our mate is a good person with good intentions, then we will consider this when their actions toward us don't necessarily speak this to us. I mean, know what I just said. Husbands, you must make a conscious decision. You must say to yourself, when my wife disrespects me in some way, that is not her true intention. She probably doesn't even know she is disrespecting me. I'm viewing what she is doing as a lack of respect for me. But I know her deep down and I know what's in her heart. And even though I might be feeling disrespected at the moment, I know that's not her true intention. Wives, you must make a conscious decision. You must say to yourself, when my husband acts unloving to me in some way, I know that's not his true intention. I know he loves me. His actions might not make me feel loved at the moment. But I know that he is not intentionally telling me he doesn't love me through his loveless actions at the moment. Now I want to stop and say this. Please understand, I am not talking about abuse. Abuse, either physical or verbal, is a whole other story. I do not recommend anyone remaining in an abusive situation. I have zero tolerance for abuse. So I'm not talking about abuse. How many got that? 
I don't have time to say everything I need to say, but there are times I need to pause and say, yeah, but I'm not talking about that. Because some people will take that and just, pastor said, and so I've got to stay in this abusive relationship. No, you don't. All right, hey, how many know husbands will give their wives plenty of reasons not to respect them? The wife must decide, say decide. The wife must decide to respect her husband by decision, not by his actions. And wives, on the other hand, will give their husbands plenty of reasons not to show love to them. They're not always lovable. Husbands must decide, say decide, must decide to love their wives. Love by decision, not because their wife is so lovable 100% of the time. See, here's the problem. Here's the problem. Wives say, I'd respect him if he was respectable. No. If you will show him unconditional respect, he will eventually earn it. Wives say, if my husband would prove his love to me then, uh, through his actions, then I would respect him. No, if wives would give unconditional respect to their husbands, eventually they would get a return of unconditional love from their husbands. Here's the problem. Husbands say, I'd give my wife love if she was lovable. <laughs> No, if you will demonstrate unconditional love to her, she will eventually become more loving. Husbands say, if my wife would only give me the respect I need, then I would give her the love she needs. No, that's 50-50. And 50-50 ends up in 100% divorce. If husbands would offer unconditional love to their wives and meet their number one need, their wives would give back to them the respect that they need. This is a principle of God's word. Luke chapter 6 and verse 38 says, Give and it will be given to you. Your gift, or whatever you give, Jesus said, will return to you in full, pressed down, shaken together, to make room for more, running over, and poured into your lap. And he goes on to say the amount you give will determine the amount you get back. Well, I'm not getting the love I should get from my husband. Well, how much respect are you giving him? Vice versa. All right, here's my question for you tonight. Who will take the high road? Who will take the high road? Who will initiate the process? See, if you wait for your mate to initiate this, it may never happen. Let me ask you this question. Who's the more mature of you? Who's the more mature? Let me ask you this question. Who wants this marriage to, to improve or to work more? See, most troubled marriages are on a vicious cycle, and it goes like this. She doesn't respect me, so why should I show love to her? He doesn't love me, so why should I respect him? And the cycle repeats itself, repeats itself, repeats itself. 
just as this negative cycle continues to go around and around and around, so a positive cycle can begin to continually go around and around and around. She respects him, so he pours love into her life. He pours love into her life, so she continually shows him respect. Let me ask you this question. Which merry-go-round sounds more appealing to you? Which cycle do you want repeating in your life and in your marriage? Well, I challenge you to take some of the things that I've said tonight. I challenge you to come the next seven Wednesday nights, invest another seven hours in your marriage. Surely your marriage is worth that. Because I truly believe that every bad marriage can be a better marriage and every good marriage can be a great marriage and every great marriage can become a greater marriage. But it's not going to happen overnight. You didn't get where you're at in a day. You won't get out in a day. If you're indeed in trouble, some of you are just here, maybe hopefully most of you are just here just to make your marriage better or whatever, but Make the investment. Make the investment. It's worth the investment. And your kids will thank you for it. Because it's not just about, if you have kids, it's not just about you. A whole lot of people involved. A whole lot of people involved. And don't forget your commitment for better, for worse, for richer, for poorer in sickness and in health, till death do us part. Father, I just pray that you'll take a few of these words that I've shared tonight, and maybe, Holy Spirit, you've spoken some things into the hearts that I've not even said. That's the way you work. And I just pray, Lord, that you will help us, Father. Uh, give us a greater desire, Father. If there are uh, people that are struggling uh, in their marriage, I pray you'll help them. Give, Lord, just give them the desire to put in the work and and not throw in the towel. It might be the easy thing to do now, but it's the hard thing in the long run. Best in the long run is to, to work it out. And, and uh, I just pray you'll put that desire and that determination, that tenacity in their heart. Be with us as we go to our homes. Bring us back Sunday to enjoy your presence again. All in Jesus' name. Amen.